Before we head into the episode, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Gong, Salesloft, Proposify, ZoomInfo, Chili Piper, Reprise, and Vidyard. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Welcome to the One Up Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And as always, y'all, we bring in sales leaders, business owners, and creators to talk about what their One Up Formula is when it comes to their sales career. Now, today we have Alexine Moudoir, and we're going to talk about how to navigate complex enterprise sales. And we may have a little mini masterclass here because Alexine has a lot of information that I necessarily don't know anything about from an enterprise sales standpoint. And so we're definitely going to unpack it here. So before we dive into the meat of the conversation, what we like to do is ask a couple of fun facts. So one thing I saw on your LinkedIn profile is that you did door-to-door sales. How did you get into that? And then what was that experience like? Door-to-door sales. Um, it was a very interesting experience. I think it was very integral to my career. So I'm glad that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was managed IT services. And okay. so I was actually going door door to door at companies trying to talk to VPs of IT and like CISOs oh, so directly. Definitely aggressive. So it was very <laughs> aggressive. We called it strategic stop by. So you would like show up at the office. Strategic stop by. Yeah, there was like some moral moral lines drawn. Um, yeah. but I think it was a really interesting experience and it helped me really hone like some of my talk tracks. So yeah. I'm happy about it. I'm glad I did it. And I kind of feel like everyone should have like a little bit of that outside sales experience and like do a little door to door. Yeah. So do you still do strategic job buys? <laughs> no, I would say the closest thing though, and where I think it did prepare me really well is when I go to conferences. I do okay. feel like there's a little bit of that skill set that comes into play. You have to have that confidence when you're at conferences to like walk yeah. up to people, start a conversation. I feel a very similar energy as when I was doing door to door. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I feel like people get kind of it very awkward at events, especially when they just like hand you their business card, like, hey, yeah. like, this is what I do. And it's like, Yo, I don't even know you yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> relax. So I, I bet that allowed you to build rapport very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so very good experience. Awesome. And then also as well, this is complete transition, Black Belt. Yes. Talk about this. Yes. Okay. So this is my most fun, fun fact. Um, But I have a first degree black belt in Taekwondo. I have been out of practice for a few years. So I try to be transparent about that. But I did Taekwondo for many, many years. And I used to compete nationally in sparring. Okay. So I was a big sparrer. That was my favorite part of the sport. Okay. Okay. So basically don't mess with Alexine. And then so, (laughs) but my my follow-up question is, when you were sparring, is there a location that you went to? Maybe it was a sparring tournament or things of that nature that was like a really cool experience for you. There was. um, So I actually, this is, this is real life. Yeah. Um, I did go through a competition. I can't remember the location of where we had this, but I qualified for the junior Olympics, but it would have been in Korea. So I didn't get to go Uh, because I was going to have to miss too much school. Wow. Yeah. So that's like one of those, you know, missed opportunities. That is, But I think had I gone, I would have got my butt kicked. So (laughs) probably for the best. So I left in glory in the United States and I left my career title there. (laughs) I mean, going, that would have been really cool. It would have been really cool. So it's like a, you know, I'm glad that I qualified, but you know, I'm okay that I didn't go. So what has prevented <laughs> you from continuously practicing just because you've gotten too busy or like what's been going on there? Yeah, too. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different excuses, but I think like getting too busy. Um, the gym that I used to go to is back in my hometown. So like don't have that anymore. So that's like a very 
important experience to you, like finding like a place that you feel is really comfortable. But yeah. the thing that I am going to start revisiting is I was thinking about this recently and I love sparring. So I do feel like I'm going to start doing some kickboxing or yeah. something that lets me like flex that literal muscle again. Cause I always have yeah. a good time with that. Yeah, no, I, I have massive respect that you're able to do that. I went to a boxing class in college and I thought it was going to be like the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> and I remember getting out of there being like, I don't ever want to do that ever again. Yeah. Like I was just like sweating everyone. I was like, man, this is ridiculous. So mad respect for you doing for that. So yeah. the Olympics, let's talk about Olympics <laughs> and sales, right? So we're transitioning yeah. enterprise sales <laughs> is like, you know, that's like the peak for most people, yeah. everybody wants to get to the enterprise account levels. They want to close the big logos in the world, right? Like yeah. the ESPNs and things of that nature. Like they're like, I want to be able to close these deals. So talk about what was your drive to get there? Did you always want to be an enterprise seller? Did it happen as you were selling and you wanted to get to that level? What was yeah. going on in your head there? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting place because I think that a lot of us, and we talked about this last night, actually. Yeah. But I think there's kind of these like preconceived pathways and sales. And so I think of it like the SDR is always trying to get to mm. AE. Um, the commercial AE is always trying to get to enterprise. If you're enterprise, you're trying to get to strat. So there's just always this like next step, but yeah, it is you're really, chasing. Yeah. You're always chasing the next thing. And so I think for me, like this is, it's such an interesting time because my last role was major accounts. Now I'm in strategic. Yeah. Um, they're pretty similar, but I strategic's really I feel like the creme de la creme of like where you get to. So yeah. it's an interesting experience. I think for me, I wanted to challenge myself. It's a very different beast to master enterprise mm. and strategic accounts um, than it is to master like commercial SMB. Um, both have their merits, both have their own challenges, yeah. but completely different roles. So there's a ton to unpack there. We could talk through any of this. But um, for me, it felt like I had had a lot of success in the commercial SMB space. And so I really wanted to push myself to get more comfortable dealing with these really complex sales cycles. So you mentioned that there's differences from the SMB to commercial to enterprise. Could you unpack like what those differences are? And as people are listening in that are different range of sellers, what maybe they fit the best in? Yeah, it's so interesting because I think back to like, so my history is I started as an account executive. So yeah. like day one, I came in the door, I had a responsibility to book meetings, but mm. I also had a responsibility to um, close biz. Yeah. And so I think about like what made me really lethal in that first couple of roles. And it had a lot to do with like velocity, the amount of deals, like the sheer quantity of deals that I could manage simultaneously and yeah. just go, go, go. And so I felt like, just my the way on a day to day basis I operated was so quick and I was just like very fast paced. Yeah. And so um, it's not to say like it's like that at every place, but a lot of times commercial SMB is going to be more transactional. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have as big of a buyer committee. You're not going to have as many steps in the sales process. You might be able to go discovery call demo close and that might be it. And so once you get, once you start to creep upwards, that yeah. changes significantly. So not only the velocity of the deals, but the number of people that are involved in the deal. So it just like starts to kind of broaden. And then there's also things like I remember my first few years, few years in sales, I never had to do anything with like 
RFPs or I never had to deal RFPs with like procurement. <laughs> I didn't even know who procurement was for like my first two years in sales. They're just like someone just like in, in the attic, like, oh yeah, I know procurement, yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah. And then you find out, like then you get to enterprise and you're like, now I know who procurement yeah. is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's so funny or even like legal reviews. Yeah. Like I think about things like, like, like the acumen around like legal and like the documentation yeah. and none of that I had to deal with some of those earlier stages. And I think in general, the sales landscape has changed so i think like even commercial smb reps are gonna are dealing with legal yeah, and some of this stuff for now. sure it's getting tighter um but as you get into enterprise as you get into strategic um you're having to cast much wider nets so like yeah. i can't just go to a director at a fortune 100 company and think that my deal cycle is just gonna like casually go from like discovery to demo and close yeah what i'm dealing with is a lot more of like I'm double discovering I'm doing um, I have ops open with like multiple people within teams. I have I have accounts right now where I have like three, four ops open. I have different teams internally. Mm. There's different buying committees. So it just broadens a lot. And then I think the other big difference, too, is one of the things and I did this a little bit later than I should have, but was really starting to get to know like my prospects, what they're buying process was like and okay. like what steps that actually entailed a lot of times in the past i kind of circumvent that because those were shorter cycles whereas now i really have to understand like what is your procurement process like yeah. how long will this stay in legal because what you come to find especially when you get to these strat accounts right you may get a verbal that might be a six month review to even get through legal so like you can put something in salesforce yeah, I mean and verbal and it's like well Ooh. so let's let's <laughs> pause there because you, yeah. you brought up something that a lot of people get really fired up about Oh, I got a verbal. <laughs> and you laugh because we know yeah. like, okay, like I'm like, sounds good. That that's that's <laughs> cool, but that doesn't really mean anything. So I have a I want to ask a little bit more about procurement, but I want to talk about the verbal. How do you handle a verbal emotionally? And the reason I'm asking that question is because when people hear that, they get fired up, like, oh, I'm gonna close this deal. And then two weeks later, you're gonna be like, Yeah, they said no. Right. And then yeah. probably like you're angry. So how do you emotionally handle the verbals now? Do you even get excited about them? Or you're just like, that's cool. What's your process? <laughs> it's a good, that is a really good question, actually. I I feel a little like cold hearted now. Like I've, just, <laughs> I've seen too much. You get, you get jaded. <laughs> I'm jaded. I've seen so too much. So when you get to the enterprise, you're just, you're just jaded. You're, you're just too jaded. much. You're jaded. <laughs> so enjoy the excitement. No, um, no, I mean, it's that point where I know that I still have, like, even if I get that verbal, yeah. I have deals in verbal right now. Even when I get that, like, I'm not, you'll never hear me like banking on that. You'll yeah. never hear me. Like be like, this is a hundred percent close. Like until it's closed, those mm -hmm. words don't come out of my mouth. Yeah. Um. So I think for me, it's a great sign. It lets me know that the deal is making really good headway. It's making good progress. And I see a verbal as an open invite to like fully understand mm -hmm. what steps are left. Like I should have no issue. I mean, I should already know at that point, but if there's any outstanding information that I still need to understand about this deal or any like nuances to legal or yeah. like infosec reviews, things like that. And I don't have that information. I take it as an open invite, like any questions I might have now I'm okay to like, I should feel no issue asking those. Yeah. I, I, I like that what you're thinking about it. When you get the verbal, now you can ask more questions. You can maybe push a little bit more because now they said, we're going to do this. Not yes. just saying, Oh, they said verbal, like I'm already pop the champagne for like no reason. It's like yes. that you, you're going to be returning that champagne. Yes. <laughs> the deal's not closing. Right. Yeah. So let's go back to something that you talked about on you were saying, okay, when you get the enterprise, there's more RPs, there's more legal, there's more procurement. Yeah. One thing that you said there that was very fascinating that I think a lot of people miss is 
knowing the buying process. Mm-hmm. And then you said you went to identify that. So what is like a step-by-step thing that someone can take here to figure out their buyer's buying process? I think there are a few ways, like, especially when I was just learning this, yeah. there's the one approach, which is more my style, which I don't necessarily recommend is like power, like going through your first deal and yeah. learning this as you go and asking these questions. And that is where you're going to like fumble through right. and like, you're going to get like hit with stuff and it's going to be like, Oh, surprise. Like here's this other thing that popped out. of yeah. left field. <laughs> I think hey. there's so like one part of my personality, I think there's a lot of value in fumbling your way through like the first few of something and just hitting your head against a brick wall and then like powering through and then hitting your head. And there's something really valuable. And I tend to learn a ton that way. So I know not everybody likes that. And I know even some leadership teams would be anti that. That's, that's really the best way that I learned was like, let me go through these first few deal cycles. And then I learned when there were little surprises, like when it was something like, Oh, um, you know, surprise, we have an InfoSec questionnaire. And I was like, what? Like, what's a questionnaire? Um, And so that like got me um, to ask that question earlier on in the process. Or they were like, oh, just because, you know, our um, US legal, for instance, they'd be like, our US legal signed up. Great news. And I was like, awesome. Our deal's going to close. They're like, surprise, there's a global review now. Um, So things like that, like forced me to learn on my own. But then I think outside of that, you can do the same thing through colleagues. Like you can chat through if you have a couple of people on your team who have seen success, who are in your segment, you can understand from them, like, what were the steps that took place here? I also think like a really integral uh, piece and um, something that I haven't used as much as I should have in the yeah. past, but I but I definitely am starting to okay. a lot more is having like that mutual close plan because that way you can map out the entire process okay. with your prospects. So like we have a document and it's basically like who owns what prospect name. It's just like a Google name. Doc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we put it. Well, you can even put it. I put it into like a slide deck, okay, and then okay. we can just fill it out in real time. So like, I could be on the phone with you, okay. And I'm like, hey, here's what from our conversation. I understand that the process is going to look like. Mm-hmm can you help me fill in the blanks? And then they can tell me like, actually you have legal review before. Got it. And to clarify, this is, this is on like a, you're on the sales call with them, like going through this plan. It's not just like fill it out and (laughs) see you later. Some people, I think some people like might do it that way. My preference would be just to be on the call so I can like understand. Yeah. But then that's like a document you can pre-create. So you can make one of these slides, anybody Mm. could, and just make some assumptions. And that's where you could use, like if you don't have any deals at your current company, for instance, you could talk to one of your colleagues. Yeah learn from them, understand like what steps theirs looked like. And then you can back into the dates. So these are like dated and it's like, Hey, you're saying that we want to be live by June 30th, 2022. Yeah. You told what I heard is that your legal review is going to take 30 days. Mm -hmm. And so now we can back up one month. Okay. But then you also told me that the InfoSec questionnaire is going to take two weeks. So now we back that in. So you can like backfill this. Um, so that's more of like a, an internal resource. A lot of companies offer that, but I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think that's a great way to learn about the process. And then as far as like learning about more about like casting a wide net and like getting to those contacts again, like you can learn a ton from current customers. So like really understanding like what was the initial use case that they signed on with? What was the first expansion they did? Like where did they find success? And I think like one of the misses at least for myself earlier on is I didn't really communicate ever with the AM team except for when I was like transferring an account I'm like I closed it it's done yeah goodbye um nice to see you guys and then I want to talk to them again um and so now I really try to engage with our AM team so like we have an AM leader right now in my company and like he and I have been meeting basically every other week and I have him like take me through 
um, some of the deals that he's working on, or like he's even talked to me about like some of the the math and like how he like creates his proposals, stuff like that. Yeah. So I find that kind of stuff incredibly valuable. So I guess my long answer is either a combination or one or both. Um, learn on your own or use and leverage internal resources to yeah. better understand. I mean, I think all of those pieces of information will have enough insight for you to be a trusted advisor and a guide, right? And yeah. you obviously know this is a seller. It's not about being aggressive. Say, hey, like, sign this thing. It's like, but it's guiding yeah. people to sign that so they feel comfortable and they don't feel yeah. pressured, right? Is one of the main things. So yeah. another, all these things that you're talking about, is there's a lot of information. Yeah. Right. For a sell. Some people may be like, I don't even know if I want to get do? into enterprise now. They're like, it's, it sounded cool. And now people might be like, they might have tuned out. They're like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. When I'm not doing these one up format podcast interviews, I'm coaching and training teams within large tech organizations such as Salesforce, Slack and Zoom. And the thing is, you could get that same exact information within our better on-demand platform. And within this platform, it's the same exact courses that we're training clients on, live AMAs, webinar recordings, templates, and also in invitations to our live events as well. So don't wanna miss out on this opportunity. We have a lot of members right now really doing well within their role, getting promoted, and over accelerating on their quota. So if you want an opportunity, go check out our membership program so that you can get involved and start getting these same results as well. My question to you is, should everyone be aiming to be an enterprise seller? No, uh, <laughs> no, big no. Um, no, just like not every SDR should be aiming to be an AE, just yeah. like ev not every AE should be aiming to be an AE manager. Yeah. I think one of the greatest um, failures as sales as a whole is that we have sort of created these pathways and socialize them to so many people that they think there is no other choice but to mm -hmm. go down these certain pathways. I don't think that everyone should or wants to be an enterprise AE. I think that when they see the base they yeah. do and they're like it's a higher base it makes a lot of sense but here's the deal like you can run the math on this and there are a lot of commercial reps for instance that make more than strategic or like once yep. you like boil it all down and like look at the numbers so i would say like if your motivation here's where i would like here's where i'd make that distinction yeah is, i think that's a, this is a good point on the motivation yeah, yeah 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 if you if you want to challenge yourself if you are interested in working more complex deals if you want to understand um, and are interested in that size company, like a fortune yeah. 100 fortune 500, and you're interested in the strategy behind it. It is a very fun and like create, like you just really have to get like strategic, get into the weeds and mm. like understand stuff. If that's interesting to you and you have that personality, it's fantastic. If you are someone who loves deals and you want to like, like hard close on calls and like velocity and you want yeah. stuff to move quickly, Stay in commercial. You probably don't want to go in price. Make, make a lot of money. Stay yeah. in commercial. But I think like that's one of the biggest. It's like one of these hills that I'll probably die on. But it's just one of these missteps <laughs> that I feel like it's so unfortunate because I've also seen, for instance, you have to, I'm sure, incredible SDRs who I'm like, this person would be a wonderful CSM or this yeah. person would be an incredible account manager. But Absolutely. because they've never been socialized to anything else or been told it's okay to go like a different pathway, then they don't pursue that. And they end up like falling down in these yeah. types of roles. So I've seen 
a lot of people like fail in this role. I've seen a lot of people thrive in this role. And I think um, at the end of the day, it's just understanding like what you're interested in, what motivates you and what you're willing to take on too. Because I think another big piece that I'm sure a lot of people know is enterprise and strategic. This is a long sales cycle. Yeah. Like this is like six months plus. Yeah. And so if you're used to like, I'm closing deals in two to four weeks, yeah. <laughs> this is a, it's an uphill battle. And I yeah. know for me personally, that was like the biggest challenge was I was so used to for years, high velocity, like I could cold call demo, run my own demo, yep. close and be done within like a week and a half, two weeks of the deal cycle, yeah, like with moving. my first role. Yeah. And I was just cruising and it yeah. was fun. Yeah. And so, um, and so this is a transition and I mean, the upside is most of the time your deals are going to be a lot larger. Mm -hmm. So the payout is bigger, but it's going to be typically a longer wait to get there. So it just depends on like what you what you value, what you want your future to look yeah. like. And I also don't think there's any issue in going enterprise and going back to commercial. That's like a trend I've kind of seen recently. It, well, you, I feel like people think that's a step back, though. Like yes. they feel like they failed because of the base. I think yeah. I think like because of the fact that the enterprise strategic role has a higher base. Yep. I think that people feel like that is a step back if I go to commercial. But again, what happens if you hit like 400K OTE on yep. um, commercial and you only do like 300 in strat? Like, is it a step back then? And for some people, the answer is yes, because yeah. of title. But for others, no, because they're looking at the dollar amount and they feel more fulfilled. I agree with that 100%. I think that's a lot of people aim for it is because they see it as like they've made it when they could have made it where they currently were at. Yes. And I think that has to do a lot with, you know, we talked about this last night is like people like, oh, well, I see this person doing this thing. So like, I need to go be that. Yes. And it's like, maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you could be an SMB AE and be not, you could be at the same level maybe even higher, right? Yeah. If you really focused and honed in on that piece of the craft. So this is going to transition into like the next topic yeah. I have within this theme, which is how are you navigating an enterprise sales cycle from beginning to end? You said six months. So there's uh, six months is a, long, is a pretty long time. It's like half the year. <laughs> so it's like, well, what are you doing for half the year on one deal, right? And if, yeah. it, if it fails, you're just sitting there like, oh my goodness. Like my, one of my good friends, he was in a sales cycle for like 13 months. Yeah. And then it like didn't go through. And I'm like, dude, how do you, how do you live through that? Like, I would be like <laughs> devastated. I'm like, I quit. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So before I go into like what the first call is like, I want to take a step back. Cause you mentioned about your mindset having to change mm -hmm. to deal with these longer sales cycles. Yeah. So what were things that you were doing in the background to mentally prepare for I'm closing deals in two weeks, three weeks, let's go to six months. Maybe it might close. Yeah. I think one of the biggest, I don't even know, this might maybe come off petty. <laughs> one of the biggest things was like a lot of times when you look at like dashboards or yeah. leaderboards, you're seeing like all of your company's number. And so I yeah. think like for me, one of the challenges years ago, like one of the first challenges I had was like mentally seeing like those transactional deals. It was like, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. and then I was like, oh my God, here I am. And it's like month three. And then I close <laughs> and it just yeah. feels like you're like slogging along. And, and every like, pipeline interview is about this deal. You're like, okay, uh, I got the yeah. 18th person <laughs> I'm talking to. Right. And yeah. you're just like, come on. Yeah. So I think like the first thing for me personally, like making that move from, from more of like the commercial yeah. to enterprise or commercial to strat um, was really 
to figure out how to focus on myself. It's a very difficult. I think like we don't talk about this enough, but focusing on yourself and sales is incredibly difficult because you are just yeah. like faced with numbers, dashboards, like all over the like place. leaderboards all <laughs> over the place. Like you open your like desktop, it's there. Like you open Slack, it's there. Yeah. And so I think like the biggest piece is understanding and having that conversation with yourself. Like I am not, I'm in a different role. Mm. I am going to have to change what motivates me. So like one of the things that I did mindset wise is learn to celebrate smaller wins. So whether that be like I'm booking, like meeting bookings, for instance, like I try to have like a little more excitement around mm. that. Like if I book a meeting, I try to like sit with it for a second and be like, cool, that was awesome. Um, and then move on to the next thing. So I think like you have to find a way to get smaller wins or like for me, for instance, if I'm working uh, a larger deal or with like a fortune 100 fortune 500 company when they like introduce me to another team like that's mm. such a win for me it's like a new op it's like potentially a new use case and it's exciting and so i think like any of those where you can sort of figure out like what does a win mean and redefine it i think that will help you like keep your head in the game yeah so what are the wins for you Wins are definitely so like meetings booked, those referrals, yeah. referrals to new customers are the best. Like where someone's like, hey, Alexine, it worked with people, us. People and <laughs> don't don't use referrals enough. Yeah. And so it, like, of course, the proactive ones are great. But yeah, to your point, like you should yeah. also be asking for them. But when they like when you do ask for one, someone gives it to you. Yep. Great. So I think like those are wins. Um, I also like one thing I started to do. So I didn't really work with a BDR directly until my most recent role. Yeah. And so it's been um an interesting experience because you know me, like I've been You're ingrained. I mean, you're you're like you're processing and you're closing, which is yeah. a, a rare breed. You're the unicorn out here. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like this thing where I was like, okay, like I've always like been my full cycle rep. Like, what yeah. do I do? And so one thing that's been a really big switch for me as of late is also like celebrating my BDR success and like honoring the journey that they're on and like Hey, they set a meeting like that's awesome. And and so like that's one thing that's actually helped my mindset, too, because I'm like, set, yeah. like I kind of split up like who I'm focused on, like I focus on me, but I also want them to succeed. And so I think if you can find and celebrate other people's wins, too, that that in turn becomes more fulfilling to you as well. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned the small wins, because in sales, like the only wins that people typically have is like close one. Right. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you're focused on. However, in the enterprise sales cycle, I've never done it to that level, but from my understanding and talking to reps that are in it and us this conversation is, it's how do I get those like next steps? Those are the wins as well. Yes. So let's talk about navigating this entire sales cycle from beginning to end, obviously, as I mean, we know every deal is different, yeah, but yeah. How, does it, how does it normally go, right? Are you just talking to procurement all day long? Are you only talking, are you talking to four people? And really it just takes a lot, like, what is, what is happening? Why is it taking six months? Yeah. So I think that there's definitely, it depends. Obviously everything depends on what you're selling. Yep. For us, we have a couple of different ways we can get into a company through different groups. So whether mm. that be marketing, field marketing, sales, like there's different avenues that I can take. And so for me, like a deal typically starts with one point of contact. Like it's like an, whatever's my initial meeting, my whoever I'm going to talk to first. And then it's understanding like, so most of the time I'm targeting like VP level and above. If it's like director level and below, usually that's someone that I can gather information from. They can help champion the deal, but they're not going to be the ultimately a decision maker. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm having my conversation, information gathering. And then what I start to do is like create a web off of that. So like you think of this one person and then it's like, okay, they mentioned that, for instance, like their marketing team has like XYZ initiative. So who can I reach out to in marketing? And of course, I'll always try to leverage my point of contact and say like, hey, can you make an introduction for me? Um, 
And so that's like, you know, then I then I cast like that one web. And then it's like, okay, they also mentioned that there's someone on the East Coast sales team um, and there's someone that leads that team. Like, can they introduce me? Could we do a demo with both of those people, bring them into the conversation? And then like, how do I then even bring in like the folks below these people? Like, can we do like more of like a user based demo? So I'm just like, I think of it as a web where like I start with one singular point and then it's like I'm creating all these strands off of it. Yeah, because I think one of the biggest things with enterprise sales is it's kind of like the saying like you don't want to lose um you never want to lose alone like i never want to lose a deal on one point of contact that's yeah. like a huge loss for me that yeah. means i made a mistake yeah i like to call that deal insurance i think yeah. I, I always say like you know we have car insurance right yeah we have house insurance but then no one ever has deal insurance yes. <laughs> like you're only yes. talking to one person is like ten thousand people the company it's like what are you <laughs> What are you doing? And what if they leave? Yeah. And yeah. then you're just like back to square one again. Yeah. Exactly. It's the worst. Yeah. The car wreck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not good. So those are the things that you're doing now. Yeah. How many calls does it take to close these deals? Or is it more so a lot of email communication, texting, like what's going on in these sales cycles? It is a total mixed bag. So I think like one of the things that is a nuance to enterprise and strat is like, that um, process that you grow accustomed to where it starts like discovery, demo, mm -hmm. um, maybe one legal call close, like that's not the case. So yeah. a lot of times like my deal cycle in and of itself doesn't even look like, I, I, like, I guess I'm taking it back a step, but like basically yeah. I would do like discovery. I have like an initial demo. Then I'm maybe doing like two or three demos off to the side with these other yeah. groups, getting information over there. So let's pause here. Yeah. Before you go forward, you mentioned discovery and demo. This is very controversial for a lot of people. So I know people might get angry as when I ask this question. But do you do the discovery and demo together or are they separate? Uh, for my personal standpoint yep. is I keep them separate. Okay, cool. But that said, um, I am not opposed to like showing like something quick. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm okay with like giving them a taste of like what's going on. I do not want my first conversation to be like a an overview because I don't have any opportunity to understand like the business challenge. Yeah. I'm going to go in making a lot of assumptions. I'm probably going to be wrong. And it just doesn't make for like a great, yeah. it's not going to be like a sticky presentation. Yep, I know. I'm interrupting the show. However, we have to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Chili Piper. Chili Piper allows you to book meetings at ease with a booking link so you don't have to go back and forth. And the reason why I love it is just because of what I said. I don't have to go back and forth with somebody to figure out times. I could drop in my link, they schedule the meeting, and all I have to do is show up. Makes your life a lot easier. I agree with you. Yeah. I think it should be discovery so that you can actually figure out, can I help you? And then product, because otherwise you're just like, here's my demo. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> like nobody yeah. cares. So you mentioned a couple of the steps. What are the other steps in the sales cycle? Yeah. So they like want to just reiterate, like the discovery yeah. is not like a one call for me. It's like multiple calls. Some of my deals right now, I have like five or six discoveries. So like, okay. I just want to like make that abundantly clear. That's, that's interesting. I think people yeah. only think it's one call. No. <laughs> It could be, I guess, like yeah. good for you if you're able to do that. <laughs> like call me and give me advice. Yeah. Um, but no, like a lot of times, because it's not even discovery with like my one point of contact, I'm having yeah. discovery with these multiple points of contact. And then like, you know, if you think about it in the traditional path, um, then there's like the demo phase after that. And a lot of times like that's not one call either. Like we're yeah. like a lot of, for me, for instance, we'll have like an initial very introductory demo. Then we might have like a second demo where we deeper dive into some other stuff. We might have a separate conversation then that's like about integrations in and of themselves. And it's just focused on that. Then there might be like a, an infosec or like security type of review with their security team. 
and then we're into legal. Like there's a lot of steps here. Um, but I would say like, that's typically, uh, I'm spending the irony is like when I was in commercial, I spent yeah. the least amount of time on discovery. <laughs> now that I'm in strategic, I spend the most amount of time. In You're discovery, discovering so the discovery. Like, <laughs> yeah. So now flip flops. And then you know what they say, like discoveries through the whole sales process, yeah. yada, yada. So, um, so you're still doing that throughout, but I think there's a lot of like broken off conversations yeah. and those are a good thing. Like I love when a pro like when I'm talking to someone and they're like, Hey, like I'm seeing this integration or I'm seeing this, or mm -hmm. I want to understand like this global capability better. What does that look like? And if we have like three minutes left on a discovery call, like why would I cram that in? Or if we're like yeah. on the demo, like I'd rather set schedule that bring in the right resource internally and, and then have like an educated conversation around that. So that's yeah. like another big nuance. Um, for me in terms of like transitioning commercial to like enterprise strategic, I was very proud of the fact for many years that like I won deals alone. Like I was like, I didn't tap anyone. I didn't yeah. have any questions. <laughs> yeah. Nobody touched my deal. Yeah. Like I did it. <laughs> I and, got it. This. <laughs> yes. And that was like a badge of honor. And I think like part of that's like cultural, environmental. And like, that's kind of like yeah. what you're taught is like, you want to win alone. Whereas like now completely different mind mindset shift where I'm in like I'm actually strategically like tapping people internally. Like if I'm talking to someone in field marketing, I have Nick Bennett on my team. He's like a yeah. field marketing guru. Like yeah, why would I not Nick. introduce him? And so yeah. there's stuff like that where I think about like who internally would actually benefit this customer or like, uh, you know, we have someone in leadership right now and she had like an incredible background with one of our clients and that we actually work with today. Yeah. And saw a lot of success. So she's like an internal use case. So I'm like, if someone's like, hey, can we do uh, use? Can you just like mail us like a use case? I'm like, I could, or I could schedule a call yeah, and bring you, you and you two could connect and she can tell you exactly how and she rolled out this. make your life easier. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, cool. So you start to think in different ways like that. And it's like this idea of like, who can I leverage yep. internally? Who has the expertise and how do I connect my prospect with them? Okay. So there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. This is, this is not a lot to unpack. This is a suitcase, suitcase of information. So <laughs> the, there's a, a lot, we got, we got to take it out. So there's three lanes I want to go down. Okay. I want to take it back a little bit okay. and talk about discovery a little bit more. Cool. Because typically you, what you're doing here is discovery on discovery on discovery. Yeah. Not to be confused by racks on racks, racks on racks. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so, so my, my question though is how do you update people on your discovery yeah. throughout the sales cycle when new people come in? Yeah. So really great way. We actually did a video yesterday on yeah. video. Like that's a great way to do it is like, Hey, like, you know, first and foremost, I'd love to like chat with those people yeah. and have conversations. But if there's like new people coming into the conversation or we're just catching them up to speed, mm -hmm. quick video, like, hey, I've been working with Morgan on the team. Here's what we're talking through. Here's a specific yep. use case. Really excited about that. Excited to chat with you next. Um, and like, let me know what questions, you know, whatever. Yeah. So like video is a really quick way. You can also... Um, I have this thing where some people like ebb and flow out of discovery too, yeah. where like certain people do like, I have certain prospects where there's point of contacts that kind of like mm -hmm. enter into certain conversations and then yeah. like revisit later. So like a VP, they might be in it like a second or third conversation. They might float away when we get into like integrations and like some yeah. of the like meteor stuff yeah. and then they come back in. And so it's a great idea to just like keep that person updated throughout the process mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, we just went through the integrations conversation today. Went really well. Here's some of the feedback we got. Let me know if you have any questions. Next step is this. So like, I think it's a good idea. It's almost like when you're updating your pipeline, it's like a next step by when yeah. for everybody that's in the conversation. I and like then that. I think there is a point like 
at least for me in certain deals, there is a point where we hit like critical mass and like everybody's like back in and like we're all having the yeah. conversation again. But I think it's very natural for certain people to like be heavier come in and out right yeah. they just need to like be like okay are we good with this yeah maybe they don't you may only see them one time yeah like but they need, need to be they need to know what's happening yes exactly and like a demo is a perfect example too like i would uh, my preference yeah. is if i can i would rather have like a leadership demo that's just going to touch on like the analytics reporting yeah. like here's how you're going to see kpis and success metrics and then i'd rather have a separate conversation for like the user group, like who's yeah. actually going to be using the tool day to day and be like, here's what this integration looks like. Here's how your workflow will be impacted. Like here's how much time you could save. Mm -hmm. Here's some creative stuff you could do with your messaging. That demo isn't going to like translate to like a CRO for it. So they're going to be like, I, you know, they, they think it's cool, but they're not going to like care as much about the nitty gritty as those yeah. actual team members are. So I love to even yeah. like it's like break down the discovery calls, but then also like break out some of these demos too and have separate conversations. I think, I think that's a fantastic point because you know, I've done things before where it's a demo or I'm showing something and it's like the IT person's like, well, what about this one? I'm like, <laughs> bruh, I don't, I don't know. Separate <laughs> conversation. Yeah. yeah like, I think that's the biggest mistake. Well, and I don't even know that it's a mistake. I think um, this goes back to like when you are raised in like commercial SMB, yeah. you're taught like, get as many people into like, I remember this, like being told, like get as many people to the demo as you can, like as many yeah. people like, get it there, get the senior leadership gear. And so you're giving like this very boilerplate demo. Cause you're trying to just like check all the boxes in one hour. And yeah. that just doesn't for me today, that doesn't translate. It doesn't yeah. work. I would much rather be like, okay, you have an it resource. That and you I think that's connect. the best yeah. way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you nailed the concept, like, because it's like, I think people think that the demo is for everyone when it's like, no, I can have an IT demo. I yes. can have the sales leadership demo. And I feel like everyone would be more comfortable to ask questions because one person that has all these questions could derail the attention span of someone else that you've been trying to get on the call for like yes. months. So yeah. another thing within that though, is as you're having these conversations and as you're closing these deals, cause it'll get to the third point. But well, my second point is how do you manage your ego as an enterprise seller? I, I feel like I have, I don't know. Like it's, it's ironic. Cause on one side, like, yeah. sure. We all have like the ego. It exists in Absolutely. all of us, especially if you're in sales. I feel like, I, I don't know. Like I try as much as possible not to have an ego, I guess. Yeah. Like I'm just, because I know what's ahead, I guess. Like right. I'm at that stage in my career where I'm like, I know how much work is going to go. And into also this not directly for you. Oh, just like, like very, okay, just like gotcha. enterprise. <laughs> no, 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 not, it's not for you. It's yeah. not for you. It's more so as an enterprise seller. Cause obviously mm -hmm. you're working with other enterprise sellers and you might see this, oh. like the tendencies in that, because it's like, I've gotten to the top. Gotcha. I'm closing these big deals, but the, obviously that can like derail you from like doing good discovery. Yeah. because of that ego coming into play. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're talking about like the ego for the prospect, that, like the points of contact? Yeah, even for the points okay. of contact, it can even be for other enterprise sellers you're working with. Yeah. Right? They can also be like, oh, I've made it. Da, da, da. And it's yeah. like, they actually are starting to like dial down their discovery. It's not as good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those things like I think about, I don't know, ego is just like interesting in general because yeah. you're going to have like prospects that have that ego. You're going to have like internal folks right. that like, are I work on at your IBM. Team. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And it's right, like, <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, about like a lot of people that came from Oracle. The reality is like I, I guess for me, I work yeah. in startups. Like I've only focused on startups. Yep. It's an interesting place for me. Um, so for me, I think it's irrelevant. Like whatever anybody's done yeah. prior to coming to whatever the situation is today, 
it's all like we're all restarting. Mm. Like once you get to the new company, you're restarting and you can take with you like what you've learned. But I guess like my ego has shifted in the sense that I'm like, I would rather leverage like if I see like I could still feel those like little tinglings of like, oh, like this person has this experience. Like maybe I feel yeah. a little jealous or like I saw them close this really good deal. Like maybe maybe now I'm feeling like I should have closed a big deal. But now I try to like be really cognizant of like when I have those feelings and then actually like talk to that person and be like, hey, what like what did you do? What worked really well? What worked really well? Like mm. what helped your sales process along? What advice can you get? And like just like catch yourself in those feelings yeah. and like lean into the ego. And like I think it's a lot of times like when you're seeing some of those things like rear their head. Like, I actually think you should like chase it and figure out what that means and like yeah. really dig into it. And then if other people around me, like, you know, if they're presenting ego, like my thing is, um, I'm really into like the gray rock method. It's a really good, like, yeah, like that, that, what, what, what is that? <laughs> it's like a psychological, I don't know if it's a psychological okay. tactic, whatever. I do this like personally, professionally through everything. Yeah. And I, I might've talked about this before, but I don't know if I ever have, but basically it's like, if someone comes at you and they're like, I made a lot of money, like yeah. I did it and it's like too much and you're just like wow you're like really touting whatever it is yeah you just say that's awesome it's just like a <laughs> just, side. Just, that's it. yeah it's or like, like it's like okay and then say something else they, they're like they're like no like i'm gonna get like a promotion i'm about yeah. to buy like a tesla that is the best news yeah <laughs> like, so honestly like i don't know if that's helpful or answers your question at all yeah. but like a lot of times when i'm dealing with ego either i try if i'm catching myself in ego i try to like yeah. lean into it okay. um and try to like really pick apart and get to know like where that's coming from. I like that. And then if it's like ego coming at me, I try to use like that gray rock method. And it's really success. It's been really I'm, successful. I'm about, to, I'm, about personally to cop, I'm about to cop that one. So <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. It's just like, okay, great. Yes. And then you don't <laughs> get like, as annoyed. Cause I think yeah. like a big piece of uh, enterprise strategic as sales in general is like mindset. And if yeah. you like, if you get distracted and I've totally been here, but if you get like distracted or you're getting pummeled by like every single thing that happens during the day, you can't focus. Like there's no ability to just be present for your prospects, for your mm. colleagues, for anything. So like a lot of, I think like the biggest skill set is like, you're like getting your mind right. Like, yeah. I think that's the hardest thing to do in sales is to like, if you beat your head and like lose like 10 deals back to back, mm. can you pick up the phone and like still make a call? Or can you like still get on this demo and have a good attitude and not like push off that negativity on your prospect. That's the yeah. hardest part of sales. Yeah, it is having the right energy. Sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. We, we've said that a lot here on this podcast and you have to make sure you have that right energy and it leads into two things, right? Energy and then ego. One thing you talked about earlier is saying like, oh, like I'm gonna close a deal. It's me, I'm number one. And you <laughs> talked about bringing executives. That yeah. also is diminishing your own ego to be like, I need some help yes. in these deals, right? And I mm -hmm. think that is such a centerpiece of success for sellers is that like, no, this is teamwork. Like yes. if some, if the CTO for whatever reason is on this call and like, it's just not working or they're just not maybe computing what you're saying, maybe I need to bring my CTO yes. on the call <laughs> and they can just talk it out because I have no idea how to have that conversation. Yes. So I want to dive a little bit more into the executive sponsorships yes. and you talked a lot about it but when do you know to bring in the right parties or do you already have go-to's it's like well as an enterprise seller you should have your cfo your vp of sales and maybe your cmo always on the go and then you maybe can tap other people we're curious to hear like what your thought process is around executive sponsorships in these deals huge so important so underutilized 
I think the biggest thing starts before like you even have a prospect. I think you get to know the right people internally. Okay. And not in like a fake way. Like I th- like a lot of people are actually really interesting. So like it's great. But like from the get go, when I started a new company, like I'm getting to know everyone. Like yeah. we have a new CEO that started. I booked time, like booked a one on one right away. Like this is the type of stuff like you have to start that relationship really early on. And then it doesn't become weird. Like if I were to ask our CEO today and I'm like, hey, I have a Fortune 100 company. They're bringing a C-level on. I would love to include. He would he would jump for joy. He'd be like, yeah. awesome. I'm, I'll Let's be on go. that call. And so I think like the biggest misguidance that I had earlier on is like, how cool would that be if I could take my CEO this deal once I closed it and yeah. let them know about it? But I, what I didn't realize is like what I missed in between, like it, how interesting it is to like work alongside each other within the deal, how important it is for the prospect to talk to someone in their own language on yeah. a peer level. So like, I think that's the executive sponsor piece so important. And I think like to your question, um, it's interesting. Like for certain people, I know to bring them in like earlier on in the process. Like for okay. instance, like your example of the CTO, like until we're like a little bit, like until like any kind of security re- like yeah. requirements come up, I'm probably not going to like go down that path. Yeah, you're not bringing yet. the CTO on discovery, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> that might have, that's not going to be used of, yeah. of their time. Yeah, exactly. But then like prime example, um, if I have, like I use the example of like Nick Bennett, but like if mm. I have someone that's in field marketing and I hear them say, for instance, like, I'm trying to figure out some like creative ideas for field marketing or I'm building this program and I, I'm not sure where to start. I'm like, boom, I'm going to bring yeah. in my colleague. And I think like he'd be a great asset or Nina Butler for my team. Another person like incredible with events. Shout has out an incredible Shout, 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 out, shout out to Nina. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's like, I know that she has an incredible expertise around events. Yeah. So like if I hear someone like say, and there's certain signals around like, hey, we're trying to figure this out we don't know where to start. Like that's a great time for me to pull that resource in. But I think all of that hinges on you having a relationship internally and feeling comfortable enough yeah. that you can ask these resources and not abusing them either. So you do have to be like cautious and conscientious about like when you bring people in, if it's going to be yeah. like a valuable use of their time. Cause I don't want to like deplete resources. I was going to ask that, like, are you looking at it? Like, I have my spreadsheet of people and I only should ask my VP of sales to come in four times a month or something of that nature. Cause you don't mm. want to ask them on every single yeah. deal. Yeah. So how do you know that what that threshold is, or you just know that relationship and you can gauge it based on sentiment. The latter. Yeah, okay. definitely relationship based. I will. Um, and I think too, like I also own my misses. Like I, th- I had one situation recently where I brought in an internal resource yeah. and it, probably like wasn't the right time. And like, they didn't get like, neither side really, really got a lot of value out of it. And I owned it. Like I went to the person afterwards. I was like, Hey, this is a big miss on my part. I misheard this X, Y, and Z on the discovery conversation initially. That's why I brought you in. Sounds like our, you know, obviously our call didn't go in that direction. Um, I apologize for like taking your time for that. People appreciate that so much if you're just, if you own that. Um, But then to your, to your point, like I do, um, just have like an understanding of when to pull people in. And I, I also like try to just, uh, one thing I tell people is like, I'm very direct with communication. And so please like give me feedback directly. If I'm ever like overutilizing yeah. you as a resource, or you feel like I brought you into something and it didn't make sense, like, please tell me and I will correct the action. But like, I won't know that it's an issue if you don't tell me. So like, just communicate directly with me. And I think, yeah. um, for women specifically in this field, like, having that level of like transparency Transparency, and like seeking direct feedback. Um, 
it's it's it can be challenging because it goes against like a lot of what we were taught for a long time. So yeah. so it's interesting. But that's one thing I really lean into is like direct feedback, direct transparency. All I of think it. it's always the best way to do it. I always say yeah. the confrontation sometimes can be awkward sometimes and being yeah. direct and have the transparency. But ultimately, all we're looking for is clarity. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't have clarity, if you have confusion and confusion leads to all sorts of things right? Yes. <laughs> and that you don't want. And so as we wrap up this interview, this last question that we always ask people and you provided so many great insights. So I know this is going to be a good one. What is the best sales advice that you've received recently? Oh, recently. So that cha- that's nuanced. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I might need some like time music. Yeah, here. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know what? I always go back to the same piece of advice. Like it's like the, um, the most timeless. I'm sure everybody gives this one yep. a night, but it has special meaning to me. And that's control the controllables. Yeah. Like I can only control as much. Like I can't control every single thing in the sales process. Yeah. I know that I can't but I can control my actions every single day. I can try to control like my mindset and stay in a positive place. Um, I used to have this, uh, I've kept this sign for so many years since my very first sales role on my desk. And it says stack the deck. And my old manager like used to laugh about all the time because I would always talk about like stacking the deck. And to me, that meant like make everything so in your favor that you can't, you cannot lose. Like you could screw up like a million times, but you have so much- You have so much like pipeline. You have everything that you can't lose. Like you've set yourself up for success. And so that's like the mindset um, that I try to, that I try to keep. But a lot of it goes back to that controlling of the controllables. Yeah, no, I mean, I I love that advice because it, it, that's what it is, right? If you can't control something, you're going to get, too wound up in it, you're going to get anxiety around it, and then it's going to ruin you when you could have controlled other factors. Mm -hmm. So lasting thing here, any shout outs, any mentions you want to make before uh, we we wrap this up? Oh, man. Um, Yes. I mean, the biggest shout out um, is to Women in Sales Club. Mm -hmm. I have my uh, co-founder here on the ground with me in ATL, (laughs) uh, Gabrielle Blackwell, um, but been an incredible journey. Um, I don't know if that's a shout out. You got it. You got the floor. But yeah, but it's an incredible it's been an incredible journey. But I think, um, you know, we're continuing to grow Women in Sales Club. We're going to be adding new offerings. There's just so much good stuff coming. And I'm really excited for what's ahead. And then shout out to you and the JB team for yeah. putting us in the penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alexine, I enjoyed the conversation. I know everyone else took a ton of notes. And as I always say, y'all, one up and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>